You know, our life is full of anxiety. You know, uh, sometimes, no? <laughs> Corn planters looking around, not me. Uh, everything's cool. But we have that. We have those anxieties in our life. It's just a part of it. Are you hearing me? Were you saying you couldn't hear me, Gerald? <laughs> Turn it off. He was going like this. <laughs> uh, but we have those anxieties in life. And it doesn't make any difference how old you are. There's that stress. I'm not trying to pick on you. <laughs> but this young lady was the one that asked me to pray for those that are traveling. And uh, her daughter and family knows that's one thing Joanne does is worry a lot. So Joanne has worries in her life, anxiety, but she also has the Lord that she goes to. She is a faithful warrior. One time she saw me flying over in a helicopter, folks. I was flying over in a helicopter, and she went out and was praying for me as that helicopter disappeared. I know of her prayer. You were waving, too. That famous Joanne wave. Yes. So there's anxiety. These young ladies, I don't know if they ever have anxieties or not. Do you all ever get turned down by your mother or daddy like you want to go shore swimming? They say no. Does that ever happen? Oh, it does. <laughs> so there's anxiety. There was anxiety in Dan Lee's uh, going to Atlanta. And Dacey's in his advancement in his college. And he's doing so well on his test and the scholastic awards he's received. And now with Lexi taking hers, and she won much bigger than, I don't know which one, but she was very, very young as well as her sisters were very young too when they came here. Mother and dad were always the same age, very young. So we are blessed we are truly blessed, but we do have those anxious moments in our life. It's a given. Jesus, he didn't. But certainly his disciples had them. They were very concerned about so many things and they would call him. You remember when he fell asleep in a boat and a storm came in and these disciples started hitting the panic button and started waking him up. And he calmed the sea. And they says, who is this that even the sea will obey him? They were beginning to get the light, but they really didn't get it until, until later. Pentecost. Back in um, JFK's early uh, presidency, he came in with a lot of trials and, and a lot of challenges. President Eisenhower had committed the um, advisors to go into Vietnam. So President John Kennedy came in with that issue and it just began to escalate and escalate and escalate. And we know how that went. We also know that early in John Kennedy's presidents, there was the Bay of Pigs. Eisenhower had made an arrangements with the Cubans that if those Cuban in exiles went back in, that that would be enough reason for the American army, for our military, 
to go in and support them. But when President Kennedy was in, in force in presidency, and that took place, he did not see fit to commit our armed services to the Bay of Pigs. And in not doing that, then there was a guy named Khrushchev on the other side of the world in Russia that took that as a sign of weakness. That Kennedy was a weak president. The next story. We have U-2 planes flying over Cuba. And they come back with pictures of the Russians building nuclear plants over there in Cuba, and they find out that those, obviously, those missiles are aimed at the United States. One of them is Washington, D.C. So they have a crisis, the Cuban Missile Crisis. There's a story that wasn't really told to the public until about 2002. A very important story. Russia sent out four submarines. The captain, he probably knew where they were going, but nobody else did. They thought they were on a routine mission, just going through the drills. And then they get orders to go to Cuba. And when they get down close to Cuba, then they, the order comes in, turn your ships toward the United States. As soon as they entered our territory, our waters, the captain could see on the surface were battleships. In the air were the war planes, and they were all around these four subs. But each of those subs had a nuclear warhead on board, and they were ready. The Ships started sending out the uh, depth chargers, American ships, coming in on. Like I said, the Russians knew they'd been spotted. And all of a sudden, they start getting these depth charges, shaking everybody up, everybody's nervous, everybody's anxious. And the captain called all the officers in and said, we are going to fire this missile. And that missile had the capabilities of doing the same thing that our atomic bomb did at Hiroshima. So they had those four ships, four nuclear weapons, and this captain said, we are fixing because he was really, he was edgy. You know, he didn't know if one of those depth chargers was going to blow them up. He didn't know what was going to happen. They'd had a long trip from Russia that had a lot of issues that I'll not go into, but a lot of issues. Everybody's tired. Everybody's age, edgy, and it's not a good time to be making a decision that's going to start World War III. So he brings officers in, and the chief of staff, after he makes this announcement, and his announcement said, we will die but we will do what we're called to do. Chief of Staff called him aside. Chief of Staff kept a cool head. And he says, why don't we 
give negotiating and talking a chance. Let us talk to the Americans before we start World War III. And before the, the chief of staff had finished visiting with the captain, the captain started calming down and started looking at things more objectively, not out of fear so much as to what was fixing to happen to this entire world. So the captain instructed the, the submarines to surface. And when they did, there were ships everywhere, planes everywhere. The missile crisis started on October the 16th, 1962. And it ended October the 28th, 1962. Russia agreed to take the nuclear weapons out of Cuba, and we, in exchange, would take ours out of Turkey. But it came that close to being World War III. And the individual that did the negotiation, the chief of staff, died without this even being known. He should have been given a medal by everybody, but he died before this information was made available. But to that one man, we owe millions of lives. But that is just an example of an extreme case of anxiety. That's just, that's just on the edge out there, way on the edge. But you've had your moments. You've had moments where you have sat in the hospital hours and hours and days, and your, your emotions are thin. Somebody says something and you don't respond as you normally would. You respond without giving any thought to it. You've had motions like that. You had those times that you knew that you had to ace that test. No if and if, but. But when you walked in that room, you were as nervous as you could be because you knew you had to have it. I remember my Last semester in school, I was taking a class in horticulture. I was not acing this class, I think would be an understatement. And this is the only time I ever went to a prof, and if I'd have had some knee pads, I'd have used them, begging him. But sir, if I don't get this grade, I'm going to have to take a whole semester of college because of this one class. Otherwise, I'm going to graduate. I'm trying and hoping he has a conscience and also a giving spirit. He did and I did. But that was stress. That's the only time I went to a professor's room and had a chance to visit to a with a professor about my grades. But it's stress. If you get a phone call from someone you love dearly and they're in Amarillo and you're here and they're headed to the emergency room, you have stress in your life. Anxiety. You have it. There's a lot of things in life that we get comfortable with. We know that we've been through this before and we came out on the other side and we can handle it again. I've shared with y'all. 
That was the way my finances were those many years I was trying to build an insurance agency when there was always more money, more month than there was money. And then I'd get a call from home and uh, she would want something that was a necessity and I knew our checking account balance couldn't cover it, but I said yes anyway. The stress, the stress. But I learned to live with it. I learned to live with it. Eventually, the money would come in. Eventually, we could relax. But then there was another day, another time. So we have those issues within families, within uh, education, finances, health, you know, relationships. We have those, those times in our lives that are very, very difficult. But as Christians, we also have a Lord that is loving and caring. There is no telling how many of those times that He carried me through the valleys of the shadow of death. And it could have been finances, it could have been a relationship, it could have been physical relationship, but he carried me through those valleys. And the more I studied, the more I learned about him uh, and learned about the word and, and these stories like I just shared with you about the sea that had all of the disciples really nervous. The more I studied these, the more I saw Jesus Christ. And then I learned also that, yeah, those were over 2,000 years ago. Old Testament, much more, 1,000, 2,000 more years ago. But in all cases, he's true to his word. And there's no reason to think that he's not true to his word today with you and me. Yeah, there's been a couple of years since he walked on this earth, but his spirit has been here all along. And many of us know that because we have felt it, and he's the only thing that helped us stand up and carry on. In the book of Joshua, going back to the Old Testament as a reference, the first chapter, the seventh verse, the Lord tells Joshua to be strong and very courageous. And then he also says, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You think he's going to do anything for Joshua he's not going to do for you? Some of you are sitting there right this moment thinking about something that's going wrong in your life. Whatever it is, relationships, finances, job, whatever, there's something in there that you are thinking about. And you're on the edge of your chair because of the anxiety that you have. Wayne, no sound good in a book, but how does that affect me as a person? It affects you as a person directly because these words are never false. In the book of Psalms, 118th verse, pardon me, chapter, the fifth verse. When hard pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? 
The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. In David's case, his enemies may have been armies, literally, that were trying to siege him. But the enemies may be the devils attacking you and trying to wear you out and try to talk you into staying at home and keeping a, a void between you and the Lord. And the, door, and the devil will do anything possible to keep you away from the Lord. He doesn't play fair. He's not a nice guy. He is doing his best to bring each and every one of us down and every other Christian that loves Jesus Christ. His mission is to destroy us all. Just like the sub, submarines had those, those, those rockets locked and loaded, aimed at the United States, the devil has it locked and loaded to destroy each and every one of you. All he has to do is push that red button and then he's hoping you will crumble. He hopes because of whatever the issue is that you will crumble. That you will say, if there was a God, why didn't he help me? If there is a God, then why did my... My child died in that car wreck. If there is a God, why didn't He pull my, my loved one through cancer like He did Joe's sister? The devil doesn't care, but he'll play with your head all day long and try to keep you away from studying the Word of God. And it's the Word of God that will give you the strength and courage to continue on. Because there's not a single person in here that hasn't had that challenge. In Mark, the 6th chapter, the 34th verse. It is said, when Jesus, you may remember, there were times when Jesus would just get into the boat and he would want to go to the other side of the uh, Sea of Galilee. Just wanted to get away and rest, just like you and I would. And then he got over there and there was another crowd waiting on him. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. I have been there as a professed Christian. I have been there without a shepherd. It wasn't his fault. It was my fault because I would not reach out to him because I wouldn't read his message that he had sent to me. I received a letter yesterday from my granddaughter. Man, I tore that thing open immediately. Well, this is your heavenly Father sending you letters. Every one of these words and chapter and verses, the books are all letters from your Father. And what a great way to start each and every day reading His Word, not reading the headlines from CNN or Fox or any other network, not reading their trashy headlines. If you want to get depressed, start your day like that. Matter of fact, it may make you feel pretty good because their situation is a lot worse than mine. But the best way is to start it out with Him, studying, and you couples, Reading together. Donna is 400 miles away from Quanta America. And we start each day with her reading from Jesus Calling. 
And it's amazing how that day's study is exactly what we're experiencing. So as a husband and a wife, as a significant others, start it with the Lord. We mentioned Bill and Joanne Howard. They did it every day. They started every day by reading the Word. Every day. By reading the Word of God. At this gathering that I just told you where Jesus felt sorry, I'm going to paraphrase it. This is the one in which there was not enough food for everybody there. 5,000 men, and then they don't give us the number for the women and the children. So let's say there was 8,000 people there. The disciples told Jesus to send them away because we don't have any food for them. And it would cost about a half a year's earnings to feed all of these people. And Jesus said to his disciples, have them sit down and gather up any food you can find. So they had five loaves of bread, three fish. Jesus blessed it, and they took up 12 baskets of fish and bread after the meal. Jesus wasn't nervous. See, he can multiply in your life, in my life, your good traits. You never know when somebody is going to be touched by something you say or do. You are a role model. You are an example. Everybody in here has somebody that looks up to them. Everybody. Somebody's watching you. And what you do is going to speak a lot louder than the words you say. But the way you treat people, that's what's going to matter. That's what they're going to see, and that's what they're going to remember. Jesus Christ took pity, if you will, that's my word, on all of these individuals, sympathy. He knew they were hungry. And he also knew how to multiply. Jesus Christ can multiply His blessings in you this very day. This very moment. This very moment. Multiplication is His business. Multiplying little joys into big joys. Little love into great love. Little forgiveness to great forgiveness. We all beat ourselves up with that guilt. And yet he'll wash it clean. He'll calm that storm just like he did the seas. But first, seek him. That's your responsibility. That's your responsibility is to seek him without hesitation. And know He is there. Know it. No doubt. Jesus, Lord, I know You're hearing me. Not Jesus, Lord, I hope You hear me. But Jesus, Lord, I know You hear me. And I surrender it all to You. For this is bigger than me. But not You. It's nothing to You, Lord. In the blink of an eye, You created the universe. You, Lord, can handle anything that is weighting me down. 
So I surrender. I surrender to you. I surrender. I give up. It's bigger than I am, but it's sure not bigger than the Lord is and I am. It's not that big. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we surrender to you. We surrender. Our ego, our pride, that just gets in the way. This attitude, I can do it. I've done this before. I'm the conqueror. Only you, Lord. The taller we get with our ego and pride, the more it hurts when we fall. I ask that you be with each person here and whatever issues on their heart, you touch them so that they know you are truly real. It's not just some gray-headed guy standing up there talking about you, but you are truly alive and real. Be with each one, each and every one. Bless them. For as you bless them, they will bless others because of that love they have for you. They will be a witness that Jesus Christ lives. He lives today. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.